Hey everyone, welcome to our very first episode, and pause for applause. Yeah. Outstanding for the first episode. This is Dread and Drafts, the podcast where we will delve into all things fear while drinking and reviewing all things beer. I am John, and with me are my co-hostesses with the co-mostesses, Jen and Annie. Everyone say hi. Hi. All right. Uh, so on this episode, we are ditching our clothes, walking out into the woods, metaphorically speaking, as we live deliciously with Robert Eggers' 2015 movie, The Witch. All right, so first things first, uh, with us being Dread and Drafts, um, every episode we're going to be drinking different types of beer and kind of talking about it from all different craft breweries around the nation and so today, myself, I am drinking Jackie O's. They are based out of Athens, Ohio. They're Mystic Mama. thought it was very appropriate. Uh, West Coast style IPA. Uh, known for bold hop aroma and high bitterness with a citrus piney aroma and flavor. Um, this is a really enjoyable beer. I've had it a few times before. Um, I also really enjoy their Chumalangma. Um, probably pronouncing that wrong, but I love a good beer from Jackie O's. And I am drinking uh, Backyard Crusher by Royal Ducks that is located in Canton, Ohio. Uh, it is kind of a Mexican lager with a very limey citrus taste uh, and some coarse sea salt in there. It is quite delightful and very good for the summer. Nice. Outstanding. Did, I'm, I'm going to go back to that Jackie O's beer that you're, that you're one-upping over here. Did you say Chumbo Wumbo? Like, <laughs> I feel like enough of that you drink and you're going to get down, get knocked down, but you might not wow. get up again. Wow. Right? Like, <laughs> no, it's like a, it's a dark beer. It's kind of some chocolatey notes. I, it's one of my favorites from them, actually. Um, but I, now I will never not hear that when I can hear <laughs> it. Just, just just you're going to go to Jackie O's and be like, can I get a Chumbo Wumbo? Yeah. And they're going to be like, the hell are you talking about? And you're like, So those are the, uh, and by the way, um, Annie is also enjoying the Mystic Mama from Jackie O's. Oh, I didn't say that. You didn't, but that's fine. Um, so let's hop right into it. So um, just a real quick little, uh, little. Uh, sorry, I already went to the director, the budget facts of this thing. So it was uh, $4 million was the budget of this movie. Uh, worldwide, it made $40.4 million, which, I mean, for his, this is, it's a great movie, and for it was his first movie. He was, it was he was also the writer of the movie, so that is absolutely fantastic for your first movie. I mean, my first movie was made what in a in a bedroom. Wow! And that's wow! <laughs> wow. That's, 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 I made nothing. <laughs> take place in 1630s New England. It is the New England folk tale as the subtitle of the movie uh, involving the Puritans on their plantation and it really doesn't focus much around anybody outside of the family. No. I guess you'd call it, they didn't have like a last name 
or a surname if they would have been back then. No, no. Historically speaking, they would have, but, but they we, didn't we don't reference it. it in the okay. Uh, so looking at it, uh, you do have William, who's the father, Catherine, uh, the mother. Uh, you have Thomason, who's the eldest child and also the oldest girl. Uh, you have the oldest brother uh, is Caleb. Then you have the twins, uh, Mercy and Jonas. And then briefly. Uh, briefly, a little bit later, not right at the start, you do have the baby Samuel. And we'll get into that shortly. All right. Well, one thing I would like to say, honestly, that blew me away with this movie is how um, authentic it was and time appropriate. Uh, they really did a good job of keeping with dialogue based on the time. In fact, I believe that he used a lot of transcripts and stuff from that time to base his dialogue off of. And the witch itself, if you look it up, it looks like V-V-I-T-C-H, so V-V-Vitch. Uh, that was actually how the print uh, period typing came out for W was V-V. It almost looked like that. So another little tidbit that I found really interesting. Yeah, W's weren't really well known in print form for like many years later after this. Do you mean they weren't well known? <laughs> they weren't well known if we're going <laughs> German on this. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So starting off, we uh, do start off. I believe it was like either in a church or a, like a courthouse on this plantation. It may not even have been that because with it being a plantation. They haven't been there a super long time, I don't think. They probably would have been a common building where maybe sure. they, they celebrated church services and also did things like this trial that they were... Got down with Jesus. Um, and so it starts off, and basically, like, the governor-elect uh, of this plantation is just, like, shitting all over William and just telling him what a terrible person he is, and William's like, Basically, like, you know, only God can judge me, and he thinks that he is the more just person. He is super, super prideful. You see that very early on, and doesn't want to hear what they have to say, and he's like, fine, we're gone, and takes the family, and they leave, uh, And with uh, Thomason being, like, the only one who kind of, like, falters, like, I'm not really sure if I want to leave yet. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if that was maybe an awareness of, of uh, troubled times to come or just, you know, kind of a fear of the unknown, but she definitely held back and had to be kind of jarred out of her, her personal reflection there in the, the courtroom. Yeah, I think that was, what, was it Caleb that was like, Thomason? Yeah. Like, like snap out of it. Snap like, come on. Yeah. Uh, so then we see um, the family kind of riding away on their cart full of what they have. Uh, and I think they're, like, singing some type of a church hymn on their way out of town. Uh, and then it goes forward a little bit, and we're, like, sitting around this lovely campfire. In Absolutely. And I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Fine, yes. What I love about these early scenes is that, you know, they're singing a hymn, and depending on the music that is playing in the background, you feel a certain way. So um, if they had been playing, like, a happy hymnal sound to the mm. background of their campfire, it would have seemed very like, you know, uh, Girl Scouts, like a fun time to be had Kumbaya. by all. Yeah, like, thank you. <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of that word. 
But uh, no, it's this discordant string music, and you just feel anxious and on mm -hmm. edge immediately. So this is a very like you know, environmentally frightening sound in the background. Yeah, I truly felt exactly the same. Like, you, with that music, you literally felt like that fire was their lifeline in that moment. Like, you know, like, outside of that fire, they're in the woods, and it is darker than hell. And that music just, I mean, it just made, it brought you into it, and you're like, yeah, I'd stay by the fire, too. Yeah, and honestly, uh, that, that's another part of this movie that I love, is it was all filmed in natural light. So, literally, the light of that fire was the only thing that was lighting that scene, and you can kind of feel just this darkness enveloping them, and the woods are kind of a scary place. Uh, and it kind of gives that feeling early on that, hey, these woods might not be the best place to be, um, yeah, so definitely. Mm. These, these Girl Scouts are not selling thin mints, that's mm. for sure. That uh, fear of the wood at nights, folks, is called nyctahylophobia, in Ooh. case you were wondering. Fancy medical terms. <laughs> Science. <clears throat> uh, so then, yeah, we uh, next thing we see is them kind of all kneeling down just in front of this open field right on the edge of the woods, and they're like, fantastic, we found our place. And then the next scene, I mean, it's very quickly, and the next thing you see is a baby. And that baby is purely there to show you that time has passed. Um, They've also got a house and a, and a field. And there's some dogs in this house, and they're, they're letting us know about it. But um, it's, the, it's the wolves out in the, <laughs> the, wolves in the woods. Out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for them in the background. Uh, somebody's probably walking by the house. Anyways, um, yes, so baby, passage of time, obviously there was no baby to begin with, and they found this area, have kind of built up some buildings, they a house. Found a uh, baby. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> found a friend. <laughs> uh, and then, so, then it shows Thomason, obviously, like, in, in, I guess kind of saying prayers, but it's more so like, like a confession, like, just saying of all just the terrible things that she does, which really, like, to us, it's probably not terrible. She's like, oh, I just didn't do all my chores and stuff like that. But then she's like, in my head, though, I broke all the commandments. And that kind of goes to Puritan slash separatist values, uh, because technically they're kind of separatist in this uh, scenario where they came from England. They actually were actually too uh, pious. too pious for the Puritans, and that's why they kind of left to begin with. Uh, but yeah, that value—it's just everyone is innately sinful, and they hammered into their head like, "Oh, you're bad innately. You have no control of it, so you have to uh, repent for it, even if it's not technically true." Um, even if you are a good person. So it kind of goes to that uh, Puritan value, basically. And really, it's worth noting that Thomason is the only one throughout the movie who asks for forgiveness, who is kind of self-aware of their own sinful nature. Um, when the father and Caleb are talking about the sinful nature of man, it's just sort of in intellectual terms. Thomason is actually the only one on their knees begging for forgiveness, begging for 
the grace of God to come down on them because of their sinful nature. Just aim away from my face, God. Um, so, <laughs> but that being said, though, yes, she is the one asking for forgiveness, even though she still believes that, like, in that intro, she just believes that she doesn't deserve the forgiveness. Uh, so then the next thing we see is uh, Thomason getting called by Catherine, and she's holding uh, baby Samuel and, um, you know, basically kind of passes him off to Thomason to, hey, go watch your uh, little brother. And then we see her playing peekaboo with Samuel. Cute. No, Samuel's a cute baby. He's a baby. It's a good game to play with baby. He is a baby. Um, so... It's like strike three, though, for Peekaboo in this sense. Like, one, Peekaboo, <laughs> giggling baby. Two, Peekaboo, giggling baby. Three, Peekaboo, fucking gone. <laughs> no, no, baby. And you do see, like, the, the grass rustling, and you see, like, a tree moving slightly as though something has very speedily exited the scene. Yes, yeah, literally, yeah, it would literally it would literally be, it's Samuel, who's like the hide-and-seek baby of 1630s, like, the champion, like. Like, super saiyan. Yeah, he, 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 like, is like, the, like, baby Flash, like, and he was gone. He's like, deuces. He's like, fuck this place, I'm going to this plantation y'all talk about, because they have water and food, and it doesn't smell like goat shit. <laughs> At least that's what I like to think until the very next scene. <laughs> the very next scene clues John into the fact that it was not, in fact, a baby running away yeah. to the finer things in life. Not so happy. Nope. It was not young Barry. Uh, it was, the next thing we see is the baby laying there on some sort of like an altar, uh, completely naked, and then there is a naked old woman that you don't see much of her. Um, Until she's naked, though. Yes. Uh, and it, she's, like, caressing the baby's chest. And then, like, as her hand starts going downward, then she, like, pulls out a knife. Yeah, it seems almost tender at first. Like, she's like, oh, sweet baby. And you think, well, maybe she just she just wanted a baby to love. But then you realize that's not... Yeah, it's more like you got to tenderize that meat before you wow. carve it up, right? Ouch. Ouch, indeed. So then, yeah. The, um, so there is a thing, a little fun fact with that, though, because you do see, uh, you do see kind of her hand, like, just hanging out over the baby's junk. With as she holds the knife, uh, and then there's the fun fact in um, Czechoslovakia that witches collected penises, and that was I think that was kind of like to instill fear more so in like males. And I believe I think I remember Annie saying uh, and finding that they would actually turn that into their familiars. Was that right? well, that that was you? I thought I don't know. We're we're giving lots of credit away here, but uh, <laughs> well, then in that case, it was me that said that. If we're giving credit away. And, yep, <laughs> nothing a witch is more familiar with than penises is what this is saying. <laughs> Only in the Czech, uh, the Czechoslovakia witches. Okay, all right. But it's not all over the place, but that this very specific, it's like Czech witches were known to, said to have done that. I can't say known, but. Well, and there definitely will be familiars later on in the movie, so. Yes. Absolutely. And I think the interesting thing 
about any of the the uh, the characteristics or the behaviors of the witches um, sh- portrayed in this movie. It's all it's all hearsay. It's all uh, confessed under torture. It's all um, ascribed to witches from the people who were uh, persecuting them or or uh, you know opposing them in a court of law. Like this is what you did. Do you deny it? And you know when you you have no power at the the other end of that as a as a witch in that situation. You know you're not gonna be like oh no. Yeah, not once in history has anyone ever just walked up and was like, I'm a witch. And then they killed them. It was always under some extreme distress in one form or another, either emotional or physical. Wow, gory. Um, Death by squashing. Yeah, literally. They put a board over top of them uh, in the Salem witch trials, and they just kept putting boulder after boulder on top of them until it literally just turned them into pulp. And speaking of pulp, what a great way to transition wow. back into the movie. The next thing we see is <laughs> the witch going at it with just a giant mortal and mortar and pestle. And you hear it's so creepy because the music here is just, it gets at you. It makes your spine tingle. It puts your hair on end. And you hear this rhythmic tapping. And at first you think, oh, this is part of the music. No, no, it's the witch grinding down, tap, 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 in this mortar and pestle, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, making flying ointments. Yeah. Um, I, I found, uh, some references online to that. It's a, a compound that witches were thought to have created to allow themselves to fly, and sometimes, uh, there were elements in there that were babies, um, some, um, psychoactive herbs, um, you know, various things that were thought to have had magical properties at the time. Um, from a pharmacological standpoint, uh, a lot of the things that they did put in are capable, uh, of causing these type of hallucinations and whatnot, uh, for these ointments, so... So, I mean, there is some basis in fact for the use of these drugs. They were thought to have been absorbed best uh, through the mucous membrane. So in the next scene, when you see the witch sort of anointing her body with this really gross... Baby lotion? (laughs) Baby It's baby pulp lotion? Yeah, it just, you see... So, like, the tag on the bottle would be, like, baby lotion now with real baby? Right, right, right. Some pulp, like like orange juice, right? Oh, At least it's not from concentrate. Um, it's a high pulp. In that high, high pulp. Um, but no, I, I think it's also like, and it may be like the, the flying ointment, but I also think it's probably like take from the young, rub on self to become young, because later on, and we'll get to that, we do see a youngish witch for this amount of time. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, definitely, you know, you think of Hocus Pocus, they take from the young and become younger via that. Yes. Uh, so that is kind of common in witch folklore as well. Or Stardust, um, even. Yeah, uh, Stardust, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the next scene, you know, Annie was kind of referring to uh, rubbing, basically, the pole with this goop slash pulp 
and actually uh, kind of almost looks like she's on her side masturbating with the pole, uh, rubbing it kind of back and forth. Uh, so uh, kind of as Annie had said that, uh, you know, mucous membranes best absorb through there. Mucous membranes, folks. Uh, so yeah, so masturbating with the pole, rubbed in baby ointment, and then you see her kind of floating upward. So she starts to fly. Yeah, it puts the baby on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Oh, the pole. The pole, it gets the pole again. But I think she wanted the pole, though. Anyway. Who doesn't want the pole? I don't. So the next thing we see is uh, it's been a week, I believe, and uh, Thomason is kind of tossing and turning in her floor bed. It doesn't really have a bed. It's like mm-hmm. some sort of a makeshift pillow and a blanket of sorts. Um, and then this is kind of where, first off, I had a laugh because Caleb, like, he, he's like waking her up. He's like, Thomason, Thomason. And then she wakes up, and he goes, okay, go back to sleep now. Like, I was like, you dick. <laughs> I feel like she was having a bad dream, though. So he was just kind of waking her up to kind of help her out of that dream. As a but helpful he, brother would. But he's also staring at her tits, as a helpful brother shouldn't do. He would not do. He stared straight down her nightgown. What other ladies does he have to look at, though? Would it be better to look at his mom, the answer is no. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, he's a tit man. I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's fair, but... Yeah, no, 100%. He's definitely hitting puberty. Um, but, son of a bitch, man. Like They live alone and no one else around them. And he probably has no other way to express himself. He literally lives in the it's same room. masturbating. You can express yourself with your left or right. Probably not allowed in the Puritan church. But you're allowed to fantasize about your sister. (laughs) You literally live with your twin brother and sister and your sister in the same room. I'm sure masturbating is an easy option. No, I'm I'm sure it's actually a fairly common thing, uh, especially for those that did live off in the woods. And it was probably not 100% like a sexual thing as it was a growing up type of thing. Like... Still kind of gross, but like an awareness of yes, changes yes, happening. Yes, he's like, I am aware that boobs make it go from six to new. Oh boy! Um, so then, uh, so he tells her to go back to sleep, and then he goes back outside. He kind of like very quietly, he puts his shoes on, so because his mother's crying and fucking praying in bed. Um, so he goes outside and he goes up to his father, and his father pulls up, like pulls one of the corn husks from the ground. And it is, like, rotten. Yeah, completely rotten. Uh, and that comes to one of the theories about this movie that has kind of been passed around, is ergot poisoning. So ergot is a fungus that can cause hallucinations. Uh, kind of uh, funny, we've uh, heard in the past uh, the dancing plague of France. I can't even remember when it was. Uh, but, like, people dance themselves to death from ergot poisoning. Uh, but yeah, so definitely a real thing. Definitely could have been. So all this corn's rotten, and the theory is like, oh, well, was all of this movie due to, like, psychoactive hallucinations? Uh, a theory out there. I don't know that I 100% feel that part of it, but it could be, so. 
I mean, it, it could. It, I mean, there are a lot of theories, and it, it is a very open to interpretation across the board for a lot of things. Um, uh, so we, we kind of find out that, like, from what the father says, you know, he's talking to him, and they have to go hunting. Um, basically, he's like, if we can't grow food, we need to go hunt food because otherwise we're going to die. We are not going to make it through the winter. And it is worth noting that throughout this, Catherine is suggesting, um, I guess later on in the movie, that they go back to the plantation where yes. they originally came from. They've already survived kind of a year and whatever supplies they had and they brought with them on that wagon. But now there's trying to be self-sufficient in the wild. They're trying to make do with what they have. And remember, the father's pride is really what took them out of that comfortable, I mean, comparatively speaking, living situation on the plantation. So he really doesn't want to have to go crawling back to the people he said were unholy or unworthy. And throughout the movie, you can see that he adamantly refuses to go back to the plantation, even when they are in dire straits later in the mm -hmm. movie, uh, because of that pride. Also, straight up, William sucks. <laughs> like, Let's just lay it out in, there. A, 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 like, across the board, William sucks. Yeah. He is a terrible farmer. He's obviously not the best husband or father. Yeah, like he's really good at chopping wood, though. He's outstanding at chopping wood. <laughs> and that's about all he has going for him. And then that's leading into the next part, where we also find out that he sucks dick as a hunter. Yeah, he literally, he set all these traps, couldn't catch anything. Uh, admitted that he stole the mother's silver cup, mm -hmm. uh, that was her father's, like an heirloom, basically, to buy these traps and can't even catch any rabbits with them. Um, and then, at that time, you know, sees a rabbit with his son, uh, loads up the rifle, obviously a little bit slower back in that time, and we have the, the string with the, uh, the lit end on it, and tries to set it up, and then misses, and it blows up in his face. Uh, so again, inept as a hunter as well, um, and then we'll kind of talk later, there's very, a ton of scenes where he's just chopping wood because that's all he can do so um but yeah other than that in this scene uh, after they realize they have not caught any rabbits uh you know caleb starts talking to him about samuel the baby uh and he's really concerned because samuel was unbaptized really concerned about him being in hell um and he kind of gets really upset about that and even says you know heck you know it, Samuel didn't do anything he was a baby he was good what would happen to me if I died um and then the father just kind of says oh well none of us know you know we we just have to put that faith in God and in the the Puritan faith you know baptism wasn't a signifier of of um salvation um and I think in 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 some denominations now it is, you know, particularly for, for those denominations that baptize uh, infants or, ch or children, it's a, a signifier that, you know, you have been cleansed of your original sin. And in the Puritan religion at the time, it was more just a signifier that you were going to be raised as a Puritan, that you were starting down the path, but it was no guarantee of salvation, no guarantee of safety from the hellfires of damnation. So, you know, Caleb has a very real fear for his baby brother. 
himself too. Like his, but basically like the whole family. He's mm-hmm. like, we, you know, we don't know. And then you know, like, I guess William tries to comfort him in his own terrible <laughs> shitty father way, but like it it doesn't really work because you can still tell he's just like, oh okay. And then that's when like the rabbit pops up because Fowler the dog starts barking and then he shoots himself, you know, fucking and you can feel like the old man from a Christmas story will shoot your eye out. The fucker almost did. Um, in the most charming way. Yeah. But I think this is really the first point in the movie where, you know, one of the family members kind of questions religion, questions um, that belief and the idea that literally we're innately sinful uh, because, you know, Caleb realizes that Samuel was a baby. Samuel didn't do anything. Uh, and there's that first questioning of religion. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. The, the next thing that we see uh, is Thomason going outside, obviously doing her daily chores. Um, and she is reaching into the hen coop, and she pulls out an egg. And she somehow, it's like off, off screen, drops it. Something happens, it falls, it cracks. Egg is just a bloody mess. It was already fertilized, so that's over with. Like, but and then, like, so I mean, I feel like that's kind of signifying, um, you know, there's a dead baby there, uh, so that probably really hurts her. Like, oh shit, I you know, just killed this chick, and she's already feeling guilty about Samuel. So I think that's kind of where that's coming in. It, it what could trying be. To signify. It could also see. I also took it like before I really looked at it, and so this is this took me the I don't know how many watchers to see it. The first I just saw a bloody egg, and I was like, oh, is this kind of like how their their soil on their farm is shit too? Like the egg, the hens are laying, you know, bad eggs. But then I saw that it, the last time I watched, it, I did see that it had the embryo in it. So way to go, Thomason! Another baby death on your hands. Wow. And then we instantly move into Catherine coming outside, and she just, you know, I talk about William being a bad father. Oh, yeah. But Catherine is a fucking bitch. Like, as a mother, as a person, you're like, nah. Yeah, she, she shits on poor Thomason so much, blames her for everything. Granted, I get that she's in grief over the loss of her son, but she is so, so horrible. She is, like, the very typical shrew-type woman in the movie. Yeah, she's definitely lashing out. She's in pain. She's hurting, you know, physically from the loss of her baby and still needing to nurse and and the loss of her baby. So that, you know, emotional weight um, and not knowing what happened. So the questioning... Uh, and, and being in a, in a place that she's not real happy about, as you'll see later on in the movie. But So as this is going on, uh, William and Caleb, um, they start, like, approaching the farm. And, uh, and then she's like, you know, and where were you at? She, like, starts, like, turns the attention to William and Caleb. And more so William than Caleb gets the, the, the fucking brunt of her anger there. Um... And, like, as he's trying to think of, like, what do I tell her? Like, because they, you know... Um, he's not real... F- he's not quick on the draw at all. No. Shot himself in the eye, so he's definitely bad <laughs> on that draw. 
Um, but then Caleb like comes up with this line. He's like, we were down in the valley. I thought I saw apples, but we didn't see any apples. And we thought maybe we brought the rifle just in case we find this wolf that took baby Samuel. We were going to shoot that motherfucker. Like, and she's like, stay out of the valley. You know, you're not supposed to be going there. And it's like totally cool. Like, like Caleb just has this effect on her where he is kind of able to just calm her ass down. Him and Samuel were the favorites. 100%. They were, he, she absolutely loves them, and you kind of see that later mm-hmm. on in the movie, that those two were the favorites. Uh, and, um, yeah. Uh, so, of oh, note, William does not correct uh, Caleb at all. Mm-hmm. So even though Caleb blatantly lied, which is a huge sin, does not correct him and kind of is basically saving his own ass. He's kind of a coward in this situation. Um, yeah. There was a little bit there, too, in that scene with Thomas and, and the twins, too. The tw- <laughs> John's already cursing yes. the twins. The twins are not well-behaved, and I think, you know, that has a lot to do with their youth and their status in society as, as children, whereas Thomason is becoming a woman um, and, and has to take on those responsibilities. Caleb is seen as the the next man of the house as he's also approaching puberty there, but um, the twins, they're just free to do whatever they please, and they are not well-behaved. They are little shits. <laughs> that is putting it nicely. Andy put it nicely. They are little shits. Yeah, like, especially Mercy. Oh, like, yeah. I feel Jonas like is like the tag-along, the go-along-with-everything. Go Mercy is a twat. Like, I, like <laughs> it, I don't care how old that child is. I would have backhanded that child fucking back to England. Like, nah, <laughs> go. Well, and this is the first we hear them singing about Black Phillips. Who doesn't love Black Phillips, though? That song is amazing to yes. begin with, and you can just see right from the get-go that they are enamored with this black horned goat, this male goat on their farm, and they basically sing about him basically almost being a god, like, wearing a crown and basically doing what he wants, and they, they're singing this song about him. We're like, how the heck did they learn this song? What, where do they get this from? Uh, meanwhile, not listening to Thomason and not listening to her saying, hey, help me with chores. You're supposed to stay with me. Uh, and then a few moments later, when the mother comes out, of course, says, hey, you were supposed to watch the twins. Why the, why the heck were you not watching, watching the twins? Um, so while, of course, she was doing all the chores around the house, which you see pretty much Thomason is the only one doing chores around the house during this whole movie. Except William. Yeah. It's wood cutting. Yeah, he's, William, it is. It's cutting that wood. He's still good at it. Yeah. If, yeah. if he was good at anything in life, it's wood cutting. Like, <laughs> you're like, I mean, like, you see, so so far we have two people in this movie that are great at things. William is the greatest woodcutter this side of the freaking Atlantic Ocean, and Samuel is the best hide and seeker wow. of the 1630s. Valid. Valid.
butt him, basically. Well, he's trying to, he like, and, he like, he like rears up, and he thinks that he's gonna run at the twins. Yeah. So he gets in between them. Grabs him by the horns, brings him back to the, the pen, basically. And at that moment, because he's wrangling him, he falls into some shit, basically. Uh, Congressman's mother, Catherine, uh, decides, oh, you need to, you know, wash your father's clothes, get him clean, whatnot. And so, basically, Congressman's responsible for them washing the father's clothes. <laughs> so. She's not doing anything else. She's Catherine does clearly, nothing. Yeah. Clearly not. What? Well, she's grieving. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> do something. Cook. Do something. They don't show her doing a damn thing. No, but I think that's part of it. They want you to know that she is this selfish bitch that, I get it, you love your baby, your baby is gone, but you have... Four other children that you also have to help take care of. And you are doing nothing. Well, theoretically, she's cooking because you don't see Thomason doing that. And then when they come back from the next scene at the creek, there's but we, food. But we also don't see Catherine cooking. No, we don't. So it could, for all we know, maybe William's an excellent cook, too. We don't know that. He's, He's probably not. Chopping and flatbread. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe maybe he he cuts up like vegetables or something. Yeah. Like he's like, I got this. Maybe he chops other things. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so that kind of goes on to the next scene then. Uh, so you see Thompson down by the river then, uh, washing the shitty clothes off in the water. Uh, Caleb also basically goes down goes to the river and downstream from her is getting some water to drink. Uh, so kind of brings us into another theory later in the movie uh, with kind of Caleb's illness later is the fact that okay, she's washing these shitty clothes upstream and then downstream Caleb's getting this water. They're drinking contaminated water. Dysentery. Yeah. Uh, dysentery, anyone? Uh, other, you know, basically GI pathogens that are going to give those kind of diseases? Absolutely. Uh, those were a huge thing back in the day because they didn't know how to purify water and do that sort of thing. Well, there's no antibiotics or even sulfa drugs at the time. It's no, just... no. So, yeah, nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Um, so that was also kind of one of the theories, and you know, we'll talk about that later with Caleb's situation. Uh, just that that's something different. Um, you see Caleb looking at his sister's tits again <laughs> and kind of doing his thing. Uh, but he seems very somber. Uh, so Thomason basically, you know, says, hey, what's wrong? Snap out of it. Splashes some water at him, gets kind of playful. Uh, and, you know, Caleb confesses, you know, that basically he's, you know, distraught about Samuel. So Thomason kind of hugs him, comforts him, uh, and they talk, you know, talk a little bit to try to comfort him. But then the freaking twins show back up. Just, just mercy. mercy. It was just mercy. It was just mercy. Yeah. And you hear, like, cracking in the woods, and, like, Caleb, like, gets, he stands up and kind of, like, puts on the big bag brother act, and he's like, who is that? And then you hear this little bitch yelling, yippee-yay, <laughs> the witch of the wood. I be the witch of the wood. And they're like, mercy, get your ass over here. <laughs> and she's, like, riding around on a stick. And I'm sorry, but I found this so fucking annoying. And I know she's being a kid, but... Son of, like, I feel like back then they would have belted her. Like, someone would have chucked a stone at her or something. Because she's just, like, riding on it, and she's like, you know, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. I'm like, nah. 
Nope. She had a really great narrative, though. She was the witch of the wood, and, you know, she stole Samuel away, and she's riding around in her little broom. Well, and yeah, like, Caleb's like, no, it was a wolf that stole Samuel, because that's kind of what they all thought. Uh, and then she's like, nay, I've seen, I've seen the Witch of the Wood, and I, I've seen her before, and it was her that stole Samuel. And then Thomason gets really pissed, because Mercy never wants to listen, and obviously talking about the brother, still fresh, still hurts, and Thomason basically goes, uh, nay, I'm the Witch of the Wood, I stole our brother, and... It's just like, holy shit. Like, probably should not have said that. No. But then she, like, threatens her and is like, if you tell anybody. Yeah, I'll I'll witch you. I'll witch thee. Uh, And even, like, mentions dancing naked with the devil whatnot. Uh, Yeah, sign the book, all that stuff. Yes, yeah. Gets naked, dances with the devil. Yeah. As an older sister, like, who hasn't been shitty to their younger siblings? Like, I'm the baby of the family, but I was got shit on a lot, so my sisters fucking tortured me, so I could totally see that. It's, I think it's the responsibility of an older sibling. (laughs) It it, it truly is. I had two older brothers, and they did the same stuff to me, but then I had a younger sister, and I, like, full-on, like, WWE wrestling moves <laughs> all the time. Like, even when she's like, no, stop it. I'm like, nope. Like. My, my sister locked me in a closet after making me watch The Exorcist when I was, like, nine. So, yeah, she, she used to do that shit to me all the time. I'm like, that's not great. I didn't do that. <laughs> my sister was bad. <laughs> hey, if you're listening. <laughs> Ooh, love you, Krista. <laughs> moment between the three of them, even though they're referencing a larger situation or they're referencing a supernatural entity, that's definitely a moment of like uh, just the, the normal tension you see in, in families between children. Uh, and then so like the next scene comes and they are all gathered around candlelight uh, to have some dinner, what little of it they have. Literally, they're just eating like little shreds of flatbread, basically. Um, guessing that they probably made it from some of the corn, uh, and that that's all they have. Tacos. Uh, <laughs> tacos. Tacos minus the fillings? Sad, sad tacos. Sad tacos, yes, sad tacos. So uh, they're passing around this stuff, and literally, of course, Catherine has this nasty face on, uh, and... Yeah, so then it kind of goes into it. From there, they can start having family discussion. So prior to that, though, uh, you do have William's prayer. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. For dinner, and that's the one that I wanted to hit on. It's kind of what I was hitting on earlier about, like, how, like, there, no matter what, you still sin. And in this, like, to sum it up, his prayer is like, yep, we fucked up today. We're going to fuck up tomorrow because that's what we as people do. And that is literally, I mean, and you might, you could take it however you want to, but, like, this dude is such a negative person. Like, and I think it might just be, like, the entire, like, the entire Puritan thing, though. Like, they, like, dwell on their sin. They do. It's, it's, you know, it's a point of pride. Like, how much can you debase yourself before God? Let the sin begin! (laughs) 
Oh, like, they, they got tally charts. Like, <laughs> who's got the most today? Oh, it's me! It's, it's me! me. <laughs> like, very masochistic religions. Yes! Yeah. Yes! Very masochistic. Like, I am so terrible. Um, but... Again, Thomason was really the only person to really ask for a path kind of to salvation. And uh, I, I really feel like William was just like, it's going to happen again tomorrow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hope you said your prayers and confess, because tomorrow you're going to be fuck-ups again. <laughs> Welcome to the Puritan religion. I <laughs> do. Uh, Uh, So then, kind of going from there, uh, Catherine says, Oh, Thomason, where did thy silver cup go? Uh, Basically, blaming Thomason for the silver cup. Not asking anybody else, Hey, has anybody seen my silver cup? No, Thomason, what happened to it? Well, to be fair, though. To be fair. To be fair. um, She did say that she did see Thomason admiring it Mm -hmm. on many occasions. Which then that kind of leads into almost like a greed, because like Thomason had like a, almost a want of it. Yeah. Well, Thomason didn't admit to that, and honestly, the only shiny thing for miles. Uh, like I'm gonna look at it. I mean, that's I guess that's fair, but like I still think like at least in Catherine's eyes, it was like a greed thing. Like you took my fucking cup. Yes, in Catherine's eyes, it was. And I love how offhandedly she's oh, by the way, Thomason. Right? <laughs> it wasn't like a... She had clearly been dwelling on this all day yeah. as she's preparing this crap sad taco dinner. <laughs> <for them>. Flatbread, <laughs> right? Thomason, where the fuck's my cup? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very offhand. And like, she didn't ask the crappy children. She didn't ask Caleb. She didn't ask her husband, it was Thomason. Now, granted, she's blaming Thomason mm-hmm. for a list of sins. Samuel being uh, the top. Oh, Samuel's yeah. missing, and so she's clearly blaming Let's her. Let's hit her for other stuff. Right, yes. but this cup meant something to her. It was a carryover from her life in the old world. Her father's, I think. Yeah, so she, she brought it from England. It was important to her on several levels. And then, uh, so the kicker I love is that, so Thomas is like, no, I haven't seen it. Uh, did you look here? And nope, not there. Oh, well, what about here? Nope, not there. And Thomas is like, what? I didn't do anything. I didn't take it. And, uh, so her mother said, oh, did the wolf, did the wolf vanish that too? Like, ouch, ouch. And then William actually at least stands up and says, she said she didn't take it. I mean, he is, during that time, he's kind of, like, trying to get her to, get Catherine to drop it. Yeah. Because William's like, I fucking sold it, but I gotta tell ya. Yeah. Like, I fucking sold it for some fucking bear tra- or rabbit traps for the woods. That's how he got the traps for the yeah. woods. Like, he and Caleb were resetting, but... <laughs> and, but yeah, but he's sitting there, I mean, but just like, you know, with Caleb, and Caleb lying to her about going to the valley for apples, he stayed quiet for a a while about it. He's just sitting there. He's like, that's enough. That's enough. But he's not like, he, yeah. he's not being like the dad voice. He's just like, okay. Yeah. Very, Stop saying very things. quiet. Very, yes. uh, pentax whipped. So. Oh, for sure. He's a, he's a bitch. 
so then we hear the, the goats kind of rustling outside, and the mother says, oh, well, didn't you put away the goats, Thomason? Didn't you bed them? And uh, so Thomason basically goes to put away the goats, uh, hears some rustling and the goats bleeding, and, or bleating, bleating, uh, and the rabbit, that creepy-ass rabbit from before. Eyes, yeah, his eyes, the eyes of that rabbit is super creepy. Um, it's just chilling in the bar over with the goats. So, yeah, it just kind of shows that, and that rabbit just chilling. Like, hey, I belong here, so whatever. Now, do we think that rabbit is the familiar of, uh, is that implied, or? It is not, but the more I watch it, and later we'll get into this, so we'll kind of put a, we'll put a pin in that. Um, it is not a familiar. I can tell you that. I think it is the witch I, okay. I also, the first time I watched this, I thought it was the witch. I mm -hmm. thought it was the way that the witch was trying to trap them later on that kind of leads Caleb away and whatnot. Um, like I said, we'll pin it right now. Yeah. We'll get into that. So right now we just think it's creepy rabbit. Creepy. Right now it's, right now it's a rabbit, rabbit with these spooky ass eyes. Like, no other rabbit's eyes I've ever seen in my life look like this thing. No. They are like, almost like. Uh, they're not glowing, but they are yellow. Like, these things are bright, like, yeah. compared to any other animal, you know. Yeah. Funny story, apparently Egger said that the rabbit was the easiest animal to train among all the animals that are in the movie, uh, and that they were trained the best for the movie. Well, they're rabbits, so they're we're, probably not terribly hard to train. I don't know. And I feel like there is a saying about stubborn as a goat. Yeah. Stubborn old goat. It, it yeah. is. It's stubborn and, as a goat, and that's what they said, is... The goat who uh, portrayed Black Phillip, they said, it was like the biggest pain in the ass animal <laughs> anyone has ever worked with. You know, it was so hard, and that is why watching this movie, um, he's not in it much. And it's not because they're trying to make it seem like, it's because he was a dick on set. <laughs> like, like, legit, was, wouldn't listen, wouldn't really follow cues, was like almost hurting people. Oh, yeah. He so was a dick. Well, the scene with the, the twins and the father when he falls in the goat shit yeah. is, like, literally, that was not planned. Mm. Like, when he reared up and was gonna butt heads and whatnot, that wasn't planned. They just kept it in it because, like, oh, it's a defiant goat. I mean, it works. So, yep. but yeah, he was being a dick. <laughs> Anyways, sidebar. So, uh, so we kind of go next to uh, the mother and father are in bed, and uh, Chick, what? No. <laughs> Not really, folks. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see some Puritan nope. ankle Puritan. caressing and be like, oh, they just had sex. Ooh, ooh that angle, though. Mm -hmm. No, she's, she's still just distraught. She's crying the minute she, she has a moment to get into bed. She's already crying as she snuggles up to William, who is clearly a really good guy. And Really capable at comforting sarcasm. Sarcasm runs deep when we talk about William. Yes. And if we're talking about William in the positive sense, if we're talking about him in the negative sense, that's that's hundred percent truth. He yeah. sucks, unless it's wood chopping. But yeah, so they were talking about baptism, and you know, obviously worried about Caleb's soul, or not Caleb, Samuel's soul. Um, worry about Samuel's soul because they didn't get him baptized and, you know, apparently she had begged him to go back to, you know, the village before and get him baptized. But again, pride, they never did. Yep. Um, 
And then they talk about just not being able to feed the farm. They don't have the resources. They don't have the corn. Um, obviously, William can't hunt worth a shit. Uh, and so they talk about Thomason hitting her womanhood and getting to the point where, you know, hey, maybe they can trade her off either for work or marry her off. I don't know. Um, but yeah, basically, William refuses to go back to the church out of pride. And they talk about selling off uh, Thomason for work. Uh, so before they talk about that, though, uh, Catherine does mention, like, you know, the, with the baptism and Samuel, but then she also mentions, and what about, you know, and what about Caleb, too? Yes. And, you know, she is, this whole movie, you will hear her concern for Samuel and for Caleb. And that's it. But the other three children, she could give fuck all about. Mm-hmm. Well, women don't have value, <laughs> except as a helpmate in the Puritan religion. It's it's more of a, you know, your value is determined by how helpful you are to your husband, how helpful you are to your father. That determines your place in the world. Um, and if you cease to be of value or you're not able to be helpful, then you're a burden. And, you mm-hmm. know, and from that, you know, comes the negative connotations that you'll see later on. Even poor Jonas, though, like, his name is Jonas. yeah, his name is Jonas. <laughs> uh, yeah, even poor Jonas, though, we forget about Jonas because he's kind of quiet and, like, doesn't do as much. He kind of follows along with Mercy. Uh, we don't hear much about him. Mother never really mentions him. No, but I think that, you know, because his counterpart, because he shared a womb with a woman. like Oh, how dare he? How dare he? So he's, you know, already halfway to woman right there. Um, but then, you know, he might grow out of it. Who can say? But, you know, that's, he's got to prove him. He's still a child and children hold a different place. So yeah, he's not a man yet. Mm-hmm. And, but with him, like you said, though, like, but it was definitely with Samuel because Samuel was, Single boy, then with him a twin, and was also like the, the the baby too. Yeah. So that I think that's why Samuel was a big thing. But then Caleb, being the firstborn male, yeah, the heir to that family. Yeah. Because Thomason back then, like you mentioned, they're literally trying to get rid of her. They're trying to get. They're like, hey, what's basically like, what type of dowry could we get for Thomason? Like she started her period now. Now she can go get the fuck out of here and go get married, and we can get something for her. They're literally talking about bartering yeah, her for something. Absolutely, and to that, survive. That and it's another less mouth to feed, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the kids are all upstairs, and they kind of say, "Hey, you guys, you guys up there? You, you guys awake up there?" But uh, but the kids are all listening to this. They literally hear every word. Just the two, just Thomas and Caleb. I thought, the other two, was... I thought the other two were sleeping. Okay, I wasn't but how they did it, if you were wondering if your children were sleeping above you, you'd be like, hey. Just a hey. But instead they're like, Caleb! Thomason! And they're call- all of them like that. And you're like, they, probably, they fucking hear you now. <laughs> if you weren't awake before, you will be now. Now, if you are awake, we're going to talk more shit about you, okay? Please stop listening. <laughs> so back to selling this chick off. It's always worked. You know, I've never eavesdropped ever, so... 
ever. <laughs> Me either. That's definitely not how I found out about Santa. <gasps> what about Santa? Oh, spoiler alert. Super oh. real. Yes. Super real. Yes. That's what I'm, okay, good, yeah. good. I thought so. I you thought also so. had sex with my mom. What? That's a weird thing to walk in on. <laughs> Santa? I saw mommy. She was not kissing Santa. John! What, what was mommy kissing? His wiener. He's <laughs> taking a turn. Anyway, big turn. Uh, expect that a lot with Fuzzy this podcast. Oh, oh, I think they too much. Christmas. I think they celebrated something. Oh, we're talking about in the in the movie. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Christmas was a thing back then. Um, I think the birth of Jesus was a thing back then, but not like Santa. Yeah, no. Well, probably not Santa, because they came from England. Well, they came from England, but it could have been. Um, I mean, it could have been something of the sort. Like, I don't know the, I don't know the history of Christmas. Off the offhand, like I don't know. Off the cuff, off the cuff I don't know. I mean, sixteen thirties, probably not. They're probably more, also more fucking concerned about not dying. Like, please, Santa, could we not die this Christmas? I mean, other than being stolen from Norse paganism, uh, they definitely wouldn't have incorporated yet. No, no, I don't think. I don't think it was incorporated yet. Oh uh, yes, sidebar. Anyway, midnight conversation, condemning your children, selling off your daughter, when it's convenient. Early in the morning, next day, uh, we see Caleb basically getting up, uh, and out of concern, he basically is going to leave to search for food. Uh, Thompson basically finds him about ready to leave, uh, and, you know, says, hey, what are you doing? Uh, and Caleb says, no, no, you Go back to bed, don't worry about it. And Thomas says, hey, I will tell mother or father right now if you don't let me know what you're doing. Uh, sidebar really quick, just an interesting fact. Uh, so when it comes to Christmas, it was a thing. However, in the early 17th century, uh, Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645 they vowed to rid England of decadence, and because of that, they canceled fucking Christmas. <gasps> so, no, they didn't believe in Christmas. No stockings were hung by that family's chimney with care. All right. Good to know. Learn something new today. A little fun fact. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe there's many fun facts about Puritanism. Just It's fun facts, but they're, uh, in, in, if fun was, like, shitty things about terrible people. Like that hoop game where you have a stick and a <laughs> circle of wood. I actually think that goes far back to like Native Americans and stuff. I think so. But, a, but still, one. yeah, like, ooh, stick and hoop. Ooh. <laughs> or is that when like the, the wooden ball in the cup became a thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a fun game. I'm trying to get the ball in the cup. <laughs> Balls and something. Stick and hoops. Yeah, it don't sound dirty. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Found out today, a little another fun fact, since you said balls into something, here's a little fun tangent oh, for you. Boy, oh, Did you know if two, if a, if a male is having sex with someone and is attempting to get the balls in, that is called locker boxing. <laughs> little fun fact for you. I thought locker boxing was what we did back in high school. Before and after gym class, when we tried to just you know fake 
box fight each other. I'm never going to tell anybody that I used to locker box in the guy's bathroom in high school anymore because that means you tried to, that you got everything in, including the balls. Is that a fun fact? That, I don't think that's a fun fact. Gives back. a new phrase to, to uh, balls deep, though. I was stuck balls deep as to the point of the balls, not balls included. Pucker boxing, huh? I'm just, I'm speechless. Annie is speechless. It doesn't happen very often. Oh, you mean balls in, in as well? Or, or the speechless, speechless thing? <laughs> speechless aspect of that. Would life. you be The other one all the time? Got, no, no, no. You would probably I, I still let my you, co-workers listen to this. Not anymore. You wouldn't be speechless <laughs> if the balls also went in. <laughs> no, I feel like that would also be a speechless inducing moment. Like, what the fuck? So the witch. All right. My fault. <laughs> Yeah, this this will happen often. The Just king, the king of useless trivial facts, right here. Yep, my husband, y'all. Uh, so anyway, so Caleb about to leave. Uh, basically tells Thomason that we needn't worry. Basically, sell you off or you leave. Uh, because I'm gonna go out and hunt and check these traps because my father's goddamn adept and can't do it himself. Uh, <laughs> Ego slap for William. <laughs> Thomason basically goes with him and promises not to tell the parents. Why did they bring the horse, though? Like, they didn't bring the horse the first time. Because Thomason was going, and I think it was, uh, like, a female thing, like, so, okay, she can ride on the horse, we can carry the rabbits that way. Was he not getting the horse prepped anyway when she had come out to the barn? He was, you're right, yeah. Maybe he just felt he could cover more ground on a horse than that's, by walking. That's true. But then he wound up walking anyway because Thomason had to go. I really feel like the draft horse probably could have handled both Thomason and Caleb, who are tiny humans. And yeah. A horse is a great big animal, and they that's used to carry people with, like, chain mail. So, mm-hmm. like, and this horse was expected to plow. I don't know, poor planning on Caleb's part is all I'm saying. Yeah, and like say, Thomason is is riding on this horse with their like big bonnet cap too, so it's it's got kind of an old timey feel for sure. And like, oh, the women don't talk; they just ride on the horse. Um, but yeah, and they you see that they basically do find a couple rabbits. They're hanging from the side of the horse. Yeah, they found them in the traps. Yeah, they found them in the traps. Uh, and they're kind of walking along and talking about the past, talking about England, and you know, well, seeing. Glass. Yeah, well, no, 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 yeah, no, it was England though. So yes, talking, it was in England. Yes, they were talking about missing apples, so that was a big thing that they really missed the taste of apples. And then they were talking about glass and how pretty it was in England. And Caleb kind of just said, you know, hey, I don't remember. Obviously, Thomason's a little older; she remembers how pretty it was. Uh, because that's the kind of thing that was a luxury over in England. Did they not have glass in their windows on the house? No. No, they wouldn't have. No. They would have had, like, paper or, like, a uh, skin open. that was oiled or something, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't have had yeah, glass. Yeah, no glass. But she remembers the finer things in life, and that is worth remembering. Yeah, yeah. and then, you know, because she, she was saying, like, you know, don't you remember Fowler, who's the dog, yeah. you know, laying in the sun? And then, like, the one point he was, like, laying on the table or something, and, like, the father lost his shit about that. Oh, yeah. no, he was joking about it. He says, oh, we'll have him for meat. We'll have him for a fine dinner. That, oh, that was yeah. it, yeah. 
yeah. Um, but yeah, they're kind of reminiscing and talking about things that they either miss or, you know, they're laughing. They're actually having a good sisterly and brotherly time. Uh, until, until, uh, that Fowler comes across that damn rabbit again. So Fowler sees that rabbit again, starts barking, uh, and the horse starts bucking. And, uh, you know, Caleb kind of runs after it thinking, I'm going to get this rabbit and I'm actually going to find Fowler because Fowler takes off after this damn rabbit. Uh, at that point, you know, she's trying to control the horse and is saying, oh, he's going freaking mad uh, and gets bucked from the horse. And, and Thomason is immediately yeeted off the back of the horse. Yeeted. yeeted. And I believe it's knocked unconscious. Yes. Correct. Correct. That, that plays in later on. So she's just lying on the ground, knocked unconscious from from being bucked off this. <laughs> the horse yeet. And then, you know, I don't think we see that horse again. He's like, no. Nope. He no, no, we don't, because later on they do refer to the fact, I don't even have a horse to get to town. Yeah, he, he gone, he gone with the rabbits and all the hunting stuff and whatnot. Yep. Uh, the gun is also gone. Um, because? Because uh, Caleb runs after the, after the rabbit and Fowler, uh, determined that I'm going to get this damn rabbit, I'm going to get Fowler back. Uh, I'll be right back, Thomason, and then afterwards, Thomason gets knocked out. Uh, so, you know, Caleb's out searching and whatnot, and he's starting to get a little scared. All of a sudden, he hears yelping and whining. Uh, and of course, this is the, always the bad part of any horror movie. You know, you hear the dog yelp and you hear the dog whine. Uh, he finds uh, the dog basically disemboweled. Um, it's really sad. It, of course, it's Isn't always that sad. weird, though, that we were, we were more sad about the dog getting gutted than we were about the baby mashed potatoes at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> like, we were, like, more upset. Does that say something about us? About the, the poor animal than the baby. Is it, and we've only had, like, one extra scene with Fowler than we had of baby Samuel. I mean, Fowler was just present, and I, you know, speaking for my own life, I have dogs. Um, I have dogs and a child. You do have a child. And I still felt worse about that dog than the freaking baby lotion. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, what? I mean, so, like, you know, those listening to this, like, maybe you can leave, like, a comment or, you know, send an email or something as in, like, your thoughts on this exact thing as well. And maybe you could possibly explain why maybe we are just not the best people. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many horror movies out there that, unfortunately, and I, uh, of course, I say unfortunately again, they kill the dog off or they kill the animal off. Usually it's a dog because people relate to dogs a lot um and they kill the dog off and they kill so many humans off in it and it's like okay this is a standard for but the movie. dog is the sad part but the dog's the we've sad. been dead into human death but the poor single dog in the movie we're like no not the doggy not the puppy kill another 18 people i don't care spare the poor pup <laughs> well, they did also, I think, bring you into the dog story. I'm like, oh, he used to enjoy lying in the sun. So you're already emotionally connected to Fowler. The, the dog had more of a of a a backstory. of a backstory than Baby Samuel did. 
that, you know, you, you knew that the dog had an easy life, and like I said, you did, you did actually see the dog for more and for longer, and you kind of got more of a of that backstory from the dog than you did of baby Samuel. We're giving ourselves excuses right now. Well, I also uh, feel like, you know, Jen and I have never been you know, carriers of children. So I feel like, you know, maybe we haven't experienced that and maybe we would relate to it differently had we experienced that, but it's possible. Yeah, definitely. I I never physically carried and birthed a child, but I started the process and I was there for the the birth of him. But (laughs) um, even then, I still felt worse for Fowler. <laughs> but maybe it's because you also, like, really did see the disemboweled dog as opposed to it was the implication that the baby was turned into mashed potatoes. Like, it did happen, but yeah. you didn't see it. It was implied. Maybe it was a squirrel. <laughs> Does that make it better or worse? Uh, a squirrel. Yeah, that's a baby. <laughs> searching. I fucking love this scene so much because those two wretched little fucks were tied up and they're sitting there and they're like Caleb Thomason. But they could only go like three feet. They were literally tied to like a fence. Yes. It because was the early leashes of the children. early babysitter like there's no one home to watch them our other children are gone let's tie them the fuck up Let's just tie them to the goat pen. But wouldn't you at least leave them in the house? As opposed to out in the darkness of the yard where something just a week and a half earlier snatched your infant? She also didn't give two shits about those kids. No, Catherine and William were not the best of parents. Yeah, definitely not. So, But it was hilarious just seeing them trying to run at at the, the roofs and just like and, you know, end and just kind of do it like, yeah, you're, you're not going anywhere, kids. <laughs> just 
makes me think of uh, the kids in the mall with like the monkey backpack. Well, they used to have like a little bit of a bungee cord on yeah, those backpacks. Like, yeah. But that even that makes it even funnier because like you're watching and this kid's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And he starts running. And he's got that little monkey backpack on and his mother's sitting there like, yeah, whatever. He got has it like clipped to her like hip. And this kid like <laughs> fucking just like slinky flies back towards his mom. <laughs> ass across the floor just like, boing! And you're like, this kid is going to be an adrenaline junkie when he gets older. Like, these are the bungee jumpers, folks. I've never physically seen this happen. It's uh, Personally, but I can picture it in my mind, and yeah, it makes me giggle. I've seen a lot of them at the bookstore, actually. Like, Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. But, like, they're on these things, but I think it's more so, like, for the safety of the, of the children, as opposed to the safety of everything else in any type of store. Because, like, those kids will tear everything the fuck up. <laughs> Thank God that our son, my stepson, your son, uh, has never been that way. Like, he's been a good kid throughout. We lucked out. That's because I'm like, William, I am not an inept father. Very, very true. I feel like he could Shit up, though. He could. Give it a chance. Any child could. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. He could be like a mini, mini Godzilla, and yeah. I think every kid, like, stepbrother walks into every single place when the stepbrothers walk into their job interview and they're like, we're here to fuck shit up. That is what kids, <laughs> it's a challenge. It is a silent challenge between children and businesses. Uh, so then we see that, and then that's where we jump into Caleb arriving at the... The witch's hut. So it looked like a fucking hobbit hole. It, yeah, it kind of. a cave, and they're in, what, upstate New York? Somewhere in New England. Yeah, New, New, New England. There's caves, there's overhangs, there's rocky bits. Yes, yeah, so he follows this rabbit. He basically, this whole time, he's following this rabbit. The creepy-ass rabbit. But then it's gone by the time he gets there. Yeah, and he kind of is going through this heavy-ass brush, and is going through it, and then boom, this this hut, this, you know, whatnot, that is creepy as hell. But, out walks this sexy-ass-looking witch with a nice little well, she also, like, if you notice, though, she also, like, kind of lifts her dress and, like, sticks her leg out. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Ankles. Would you like to look at my ankles? She's like, ankle? Look at, I'm showing you my knee. Yeah, and, uh, so, definitely appealing to the horny side of Caleb. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, got them tits pushed up and that nice little corset thing going like, on. saunters over to Caleb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like pulled up her little her little uh, skirt thing and like walks over to him and he looks fucking terrified, but at the same time like. But also. Oh, tits. Yeah, he's like terrified, but he's probably also like rocking a massive heart on too because he's like, <laughs> hot damn, it's a woman, tits, not my sister. Yeah. This is gonna be great. Yeah. And then this lady is giving him like the fuck me eyes, and. Pretty much. Leans in, kisses him, but puts at the same time, her arm around him, baby, and it's like the old crone arm. Yeah, it's the, literally the gnarled hand of like an old crone, basically. So you got this hot, sexy witch that's 
something like that. And then you see this gnarled hand go and grab his head and pull him in. Well, she ran out of, she was low on lotion. Yeah. The, 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 the baby lotion didn't make it to that arm. Um, I think it's interesting, like, I don't know if y'all have watched uh, Sleepy Hollow, but uh, the witch's house situation in that I thought was very similar to the cave witchy situation in this movie as well. Oh, I hadn't I hadn't noticed that, but it makes sense, yeah. Um, and they were also in the New England area. Um, I believe they were Dutch in that particular settlement, but um, the, the witch's house and that was also kind of set into a rocky overhang and I think that's just like a, a like a witch thing in general. In so many stories, you don't hear about like witches living in a house like the Sanderson sisters did. Yes. Except for Streganona. And I hope I hope we watch something. Streganona. I have not heard of that one. The other She's got a house on uh, she's got a hut on chicken Lake. Baba Yaga. Oh Baba Yaga. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Baba Yaga. Yeah. Folks, I'm sorry. And the mystic mama has hit Annie. Yep. <laughs> has bewitched Annie. And I have been bewitched. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like most witch things, like stories, uh, movies, the witch is in some sort of a nature dwelling as opposed to a house. Yeah. A lot of times it's caves. Um, or huts or something in the woods. The, oh. Actually, the, the bell witch. Uh, in Tennessee, yeah, uh, it took pl- it started in a cave, like they call it the Bell Witch Cave. It's a real cave that's down there. Um, it's another great movie, by the way. Yeah, that's one we are going to be covering in the future, uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, an American haunting based on the Bell Witch story. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so you know, Caleb gets grabbed by uh, Witchy Poo, and then it kind of <laughs> cuts the black. And then the next scene, Jen. Yeah, uh, so basically, uh, you know, kind of goes to Thomason being blamed again. Yeah, because she uh, makes yeah. it back. And she, she, yeah, she makes she, it back. She wakes up groggily and she hears her parents screaming for her and her brother. And so she's like, oh, here I am. And so she walks out of the woods, stumbles out of the woods. And her father is so happy to see her. I think there is genuine affection yes. that he has for her. Oh, 100%. He does, he, he does love her. Um, and it's pro- him and Caleb are probably the only two in the family that give a shit about Thomason. Um, but yeah, so uh, basically reunites with them. And it kind of cuts to the family then looking. And uh, I think they're in their little house it's raining pouring down rain outside uh basically william's still pride still too prideful to get help uh catherine's begging him hey maybe we can go to the town and get help and they can help us uh basically you know begging him and he said no no i will go search and you know i can you know bear it out in the rain even without a horse even without a gun uh i'm just gonna do it uh, and then Catherine begs Thomason to tell her why they went out. Uh, Thomason basically says, you know, no, I, I, you know, I can't, you know, I promise. And that kind of brings back to Puritan values as well. I kind of, uh, you know, looked into basically the sin of bearing false witness. So she had promised Caleb not to tell the parents. So if she were to 
tell her mother, then that would be a sin as well. Uh, versus, you know, lying to her mother and saying, oh, whatnot. It would have basically been a sin either way. Uh, so, you know, her mother's begging her, uh, and she doesn't want to tell her. Um, but yeah, bearing false witness, uh, kind of another thing there that if she would have told her mother, that would have actually been a sin as well. And then at that point, so Catherine is barraging poor Thomason with questions, and William finally fesses up. Finally. And we're talking like, finally. He didn't say anything when he came home with Caleb the first time after uh, checking those traps. He didn't say anything when uh, Catherine was grilling Thomason at dinner. He didn't say anything at any point here, any opportunity he had, even when he was alone with his wife and he could have said, like, hey, by the way, I sold that cup of yours. No, nothing was said until this, this moment. And now at this point, we're, what, like, over an hour into the movie? Mm -hmm. And then finally, he's like, so that cup. Oh, <laughs> BTW. Whoops, I sold that you remember earlier when you were talking to Thomason and blaming her for it? Yeah. And then when Caleb lied to cover for me, yep. um, yeah, about that. Like, just what? How are you going to let your kids take the blame for you and call yourself a righteous man? Like, ugh. So after that, it kind of shows them in the den, in the, the house. Uh, and this is actually a point that kind of fascinated me uh, that uh, the mother finally shows Thomason some affection and some love. You know, she's kind of mad at the father right now. And Thomason you know, says, hey, has the, the goat been bedded down? Meanwhile, it's pouring down rain outside. And... The mother says, oh, don't don't worry about it. They wouldn't dare run off in this rain. Yeah, get them in the morning. Yeah, get them in the morning. And so Thomas is like, no, if it pleases you, mother, I, I will go do it. Because Thomason has been the only one doing work this entire time anyway. That's how uh, the farm sucks. There's <laughs> this many people. There's only one person actually doing things other than chopping wood. <laughs> I feel like Thomas senses this is her in with her mother. Like, she, she has an opportunity yes. in to please her mother, if it please you. And so, yeah, I think she's she's doing a little bit of brown nosing right now. She's she's making up for last time when she was on the shit list. She's, she's trying to make it up to her mother in whatever little way she can, and that means bedding down the animals. It doesn't last long, but... Uh, make it to the animals. <laughs> no. <laughs> during, during which, so, you know, her mother calls her over, kisses her on the head, and meanwhile kind of giving William this glare. This like like oh hurry back Thomas yeah hurry hurry back you know be safe meanwhile giving William this glare like I'm pissed at you uh, <laughs> which is kind of just amusing so she goes out to bed the goats uh, pouring down rain and before she even gets to do anything uh, she hears rustling and Caleb returns naked and stumbling in the rain stark naked staggering up to the gate like this guy is in bad shape and you know you have to wonder where are his clothes where is the horse where is the dog where is the gun like nothing he's coming back with nothing but 
stark naked and obviously enchanted or entranced or, you know. Bewitched. Bewitched. But they don't know that. They don't, they know, don't know. And as the family, and like we saw where he went, what happened. But as the family, they don't know where the fuck any of this stuff went, why he's naked. And I honestly don't think we ever actually get, they never get an answer. Well, no. <laughs> no, yeah, they never know that obviously he got seduced by the witch of the woods, basically. So it kind of kind of shows from there that Caleb's in, you know, upstairs room, laying in bed, and uh, Thomason and Catherine start basically caring for Caleb, treating, if you will. Uh, they wrap his chest in some wrap, and they do some very old time tiny re uh, remedies like bleeding. So literally cut his temple with a knife and start bleeding it into a bowl, thinking that they're going to, you know, remove the bad from him. Release the humors, the bad humors that yes. were in his blood. Yeah. Um, but... and, and I'm sure, like, the, the wraps around his chest <clears throat> were probably for a poultice or something that they would have applied, like, probably. mustard, and he would have had a terrible rash. <laughs> Obviously, these things all based in great science back then. Um, well, yeah, how else are you supposed to get the ghosts out of your blood? <laughs> cocaine. No, that was 200 years later. Oh, I'm sorry. Doctors would prescribe cocaine for ghosts in your blood. <laughs> Did you do the cocaine? I'm sorry. Well, then opium. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Grandpa was able to walk uphill in the snow barefoot both ways all the time. The cocaine and the cough syrup. Literally running on codeine. Yep. But yeah, so they start curing and treating Caleb, so to speak, uh, of which I kind of like to take note that, like, a lot of times women back in that day uh, in witchcraft also were accused for basically using medicine. So women were basically the primary caregivers at that point in time, but if things went wrong, then they could claim witchcraft because, you know, they're practicing this medicine and this caring for, but things went wrong. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged sword for women at that point in time. Uh, and kind of just interesting to think about that they are the primary caregivers for when people are sick. But if it went wrong, it could go very wrong for you and you could be deemed a witch. They were known as cunning women or cut women in their, in their practice of whatever medical specialty. So... A lot of times they would be called upon to help with a birth or help with someone who is sick. And, you know, as Jen said, if it went poorly, you know, ugh. but, you know, hopefully it would go well and you would have a healthy baby or it would go well and the sick person would become well again. So it was, you know, I think it was a responsibility. They saw it as, as something they needed to do. They had this knowledge. They had this wherewithal to affect uh, positive change in their community. But when it didn't go well, it did not go well for them. No. And then we cut to William chopping some wood again out in the forest. And range. he's so good at it. He's the best woodcutter. We will hit that until the end of this episode, how great of a woodcutter he is. His only fault is learning how to stack better. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a nice shape. It was too hot. Well. So, so they were, well, there was that big scene in the attic. So they were caring for him. And then William comes up and he's like, 
I, you know, I guess I could go to the the town now and and seek some help and 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 Catherine's like, yes, do that thing, go to the town. But didn't she also? Didn't he or didn't he suggest bringing Catherine and Caleb the first time? Yeah, and then coming back for Thomason and the twins. Yes, and then Catherine like. Like was like, oh no, and then he's like, fine, I'll come back for you and Thomason. Like suggesting he brings the little kids with him as well, and then Caleb starts like going into like a fit, basically. He he was in an ecstasy of faith. He was he was praying and smiling and just feeling the Lord. Well, first was the the the, the jaw. Yeah, so that was. Uh, that point, but I think that's a little later on. So we got ahead of ourselves. We got ahead of ourselves. So Thomason the next day is kind of milking the goat and ends up getting straight blood out of the goat and kicks over the the can in just horror fear and whatnot. And you see this kind of a beautiful scene actually of the blood dripping down. And it is the most photogenic dripping of blood out of a pail I've ever seen in my life. I mean, 100% it was corn syrup. (laughs) It had that nice viscosity to it, but I'm guessing corn syrup. Probably corn syrup. Viscosity reasons. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, poor goat. Obviously a very ominous and kind of foreboding scene as to kind of what's to come, basically. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but hey. Apply a warm compress. Apply a warm compress. But they compress. did not. No. They just freaked out. They're like, ah, oh, must be devils. Yeah. And then uh, Catherine also kind of revels about a dream about God and basically saying that she could never love her husband as much as she loves God. Uh, it almost was a weird, like, oddly ecstasy slash sexual dream about Christ and whatnot. It was very, very awkward. And basically saying, yeah, I could never love you that much. You know, I feel like some people on the internet took that to mean that she had, in fact, cheated on William and that Samuel wasn't actually a product of the marriage of Catherine and William. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I read that into this movie, but... No, I just think it's more because, like, back then, even, fuck, even now with religions, you are meant to put God first, your spouse next, and then, like, your children. And I, really, that's how I took it. Like, that's, so she's just telling him, like, you know, I will never love anybody more than I love God. So maybe it was, like, a redemption of faith. She's like, I'm, you know, I am this holy woman, like, but then she hinted at how she felt after they lost Samuel and how she felt nothing. Mm. But she also feels bad that she became a shrew. Yeah. So, you know, she felt nothing for, you know, anything else, but she also, you know, confesses she never meant to be a shrew to thee, basically, to him. Yeah. So she didn't mean to get this negative energy about her, but, you know, she couldn't really help it. Mm. So. A lot of talking, Catherine. Not a lot of action. All I'm seeing from you is sad tacos. I just... Sad tacos. <laughs> what do we get out of this, Catherine? Sad yeah, tacos. 
Uh, from there, then, basically, it goes into, you know, Caleb, who starts convulsing uh, and kind of almost speaking in tongues, like speaking these, you know, grab the narrow axe, cut off a red, grab the broad axe, cut off a red, just kind of these weird uh, sayings, basically, and going into it. He starts convulsing, his jaw gets locked up, and then he actually spits out a almost rotten apple. Uh, which kind of goes back to the conversation him and Thompson were having that they missed apples from England. Um, and, you know, kind of goes back to that lie he told also about yeah. trying to go to find apples in the woods with his dad. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of things you could take from the apple itself uh, coming out of his mouth. but I actually read a really interesting thing online about that. Um, kind of taking it to, like, the sin thing. Yeah. And it was like, basically, because like the apple had like a little bite out of it, and almost like he, is, his whole worry was about sin and, and where he was going to go if he died and yada, yada, yada. And it was like him coughing up the original sin of Adam and Eve eating the apple in the Garden of Eden. And like, so like he was without original sin now, like it was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, and like, I read that, and I don't know if I believe that, but I do, like, I like that thought and that interpretation of it. I thought that was a really cool look. To It's almost, it, 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 it delves deeper and thinks more outside the box than I would have, and so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. That really makes a lot of sense. So, you know, the apple is very significant of that original mm-hmm. sin, so... And so then we get into, I believe it was the twins now are, like, they, they want to pray first, correct? Correct, yeah. And they say, we should pray for your brother. And then, like, the, the twins are like, at first, uh, Jonas, really the first time he speaks before Mercy, um... He's like, I can't remember my prayer. And then Mercy says the same thing. And then they start, like, accusing Thomason of being a witch. And then Mercy breaks her promise and says that Thomason said all this stuff by the creek earlier. Um, she was the one that bewitched Caleb. She, yes. She did it. She, she took Samuel away. And she's the witch of the woods. She signed her name in the book and... and dance naked and all of this stuff and William gets pissed at this point. Yes. He says, I will raise basically no witch in this house. Yep. Uh so he basically says, Okay, fine. You know, do you love God? Do you love the word of God? And she says, Yes, yes. Then let's pray for your brother mm-hmm. and we'll all we'll basically, you know, say, prove that you do love God, love the word of God, whatnot. Uh, because kind of at that point in time, if you couldn't say the word of God, it was indicative also that you were a witch or bedeviled and whatnot uh, because of that, so that you couldn't physically say the word of God. Uh, at this point, that's when you know the twins are saying, oh, I don't remember the words, oh no. Thomason is doing fine. She's yes. saying the prayers. And she, she does join in. Uh, like when they have their hands held, yeah. Like Catherine starts, William joins in, then even Thomason joins in. But the twins are having their own little spasm on the floor, and then laying like they're dead, and then they're mimicking the things that Caleb is saying, and then he gets. I, I, I it, 
to me, it was like he was in pure ecstasy of faith. Like he almost wakes up. He yes. wakes up from you know whatever is bewitching him, and then he starts talking about you know this faith and like you said, ecstasy of faith, yeah. and you know Jesus kiss a, kiss thee of my lips, and you know oh oh my Jesus, oh my love. And then he's like, he's like, he just, he's, it's like this sigh, and he keeps sighing as he's like slowly coming back down to the ground, and then he lets out one final sigh, his breath comes out, and he's gone. Yeah. Uh, at that point, the twins are lying kind of motionless in the corner, um, and, you know, not reacting at all. Um, Thompson tries to go over to Caleb because obviously, you know, her brother just died. She really cared for her brother. And the mother just screams at her, get away from him. Mm-hmm. So she runs out crying. Um, I'd like to kind of point out at this point, this when I kind of mentioned dysentery and the contaminated water earlier, this is kind of where that ties in. Of if he or anybody else in the family is drinking contaminated water, you know, he's screaming about his, his bowels and his stomach, uh, spitting up blood. This could have been a possible interpretation of that. Does it explain the apple? No, but that was kind of where that was going when I mentioned that earlier about the interpretation of dysentery and that being a possible reason for his issues here. Um, but, you know, to go on, uh, basically Thompson runs out crying upset because her mother just screamed at her, get away from him. Uh, and her father actually runs down and, uh, tries to provide some comfort. Comfort at or first. like... At first, yes. I, I, I honestly feel like he was just trying to kind of trick her into admitting like, you know, he's like, look at this tree. It'll be beautiful in the springtime. And she's like, what are you even talking about, sir? Like... <laughs> But then basically says, please, tell me true. Are you actually a witch? She claims no. Keeps asking her. Keeps pushing her. Are you a witch? Uh, And, you know, basically, you know, saying, no, tell me the truth. And she's like, you want to hear some truth, Dad? Yeah. Props. Props to Thomas. are pretending to be asleep while the mother is 
tending to Kaylin's body, basically, after death. Uh, and they're just, like, doing their thing, pretending to be asleep. William makes Thomason admit to Mother, you know, that, you know, it was basically Jonas and Mercy that, you know, were talking to Black Philip and, you know, claiming this, claiming that. But this hysteria, like, I feel like this is almost a mirror of what happened, what, 60 years later for the witch trials. Like, you know, you, you get whip people into a frenzy, you scare them, you frighten them, and they're going to start saying whatever comes to mind. I mean, I like save yourself or, or condemn someone else. It, I feel like this was a really major example of what can happen when, when someone is in your face and screaming at you and, and how mm-hmm. you react in a very human way. He literally grabs one of the, I can't remember which of the twins. He grabs Jonas, Jonas. because he's like, you know, out with it, you little devils. And he picks him up and he threatens to fucking basically either like hit him or kill him or something. <laughs> and Jonas just starts screaming and then Mercy, like, grabs William's arm and is, like, shouting him as well. So they were pretending. Yes. So, it, kind of what we expected, they were pretending yes. this whole time to be asleep. Uh, and then he basically locks all three in the barn. So, Mercy, Jonas, and poor Thomas. He doesn't lock them in. He hammers them the fuck in there. He takes wood and hammers it with the back of his wood axe and seals their asses in that ramshackle barn with goats and then we so we see that and thomas is like not me don't leave me in here with you know with them and then we see a scene of the mother and father with shovels nearby obviously they buried caleb Mm -hmm. the mom is is crushed she crawls down in the hole with caleb Mm -hmm. and just cradles his body and that's really heartbreaking she didn't get that opportunity with samuel i think to really say goodbye and and now a second son of higher value than her daughter bt dubs um is gone from her life and so she's just down the hole grieving holding him and i you know i i thought that was very touching Part of us is still kind of hoping that William starts shoveling in the dirt and buries her with him. <laughs> that would have made for a better end of the movie. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Smacks her in the head with the she, she truly cares about some of her children, I think. Uh, <laughs> some. She's some. Still, she's still terrible. She, I, that she's doesn't... a terrible person. No, but you can still care about your children and be a terrible person. Hit her in the head with a shovel, call it done. Well, <laughs> that didn't happen, though. I know. She got out of the hole. Alternate ending, Eggers. Remake it. Uh, so, in true William fashion, uh, he's going to go shop more wood. I mean, <laughs> like you do. Exactly. You know, hey. Sad, go chop some wood. Hungry, Sad wood go chop some wood. <laughs> and, but then... He, like, falls to the ground, and he, not necessarily praying, but he's trying to talk to God. He breaks down crying. And then he starts fucking eating dirt. Well, he says, I'm infected with the filth of pride. And basically saying, I will eat dirt to please thee, or save to, my children. to save my children. And that really, you know, is saying, 
you know, something about him. He really, he does care for his children. And he said, dispose of me, yet redeem my children. I beg thee, save my children. A mouthful of With dirt. With a mouthful of dirt, yes. He's <laughs> 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 already got that deep voice anyway, but he's also got a mouthful of fucking dirt. Like, <laughs> I am upset when I have, like, a grit of, like, a grain of sand in my mouth. I'm like, get it out of there! <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever had oysters or anything, but there's some sand in oh, there yeah. occasionally. I, like, I never had oysters because that's just a snot and a rock, but I have gone to many beaches and gotten face fulls of sand and salt <laughs> water, and that's pretty damn terrible. Yeah. I don't understand how that happens, Jeff. <laughs> well, you know, you're riding you away then. face and... down in the Sand or well, to, uh, we'll just agree to disagree. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, do. I just get to the beach and go the beach and just plop right into the right into the surf and I'm just in there. Mm, sand, mm. tasty, tasty. I'm excited to see this, folks, because we are going on vacation in about a week and a half now. I'm Hell's, waiting to see yeah. John's oneness with the beach. I'm one with the beach. Black <laughs> And then I'm going to literally do just like William. We pay right now! <laughs> With a mouthful of sand. No! I'll edge away and do it. Don't know him. He, so William already, the actor that plays William, already has this like super eerily deep voice. And yeah, th- this addition, it just adds to it. Just, he, he's abject distress and he's calling out on on the one person he believed person entity he believes can help them and you know he's made mistakes he it's too late to go to the neighbors his son caleb is dead his son samuel is gone his wife is cuckoo bananas and his three children might be witches and his three other children might be witches so like yeah he's he's in a place of of just rock bottom And then you also see Thomason watching this whole thing. Yeah, she can hear it, so she know she knows. From there, basically, we go in the house, and basically, the mother. This is the first time we see her with her hair down, and she's got this strikingly long blonde hair, just like Thomason. Uh, and she sees Caleb and Sam in the chair, basically sitting there, and she gets so excited to see them, like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to tell your father." Um, and they kind of, you know basically in this whispery creepy voice uh say you know no uh we want to see you more often wouldst thou please you uh and of course yes 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 of course course. she says yes uh and then basically also says i have brought a book would you look at it with me uh so the kind of thought process is here is that basically they're trying to get her to sign the book to become a witch too. They're enticing her, but she's like, put a pin in that. Samuel's hungry. <laughs> yes. Let me well, let me breastfeed this child. Let's look at that book after I breastfeed my dead child. Yes. And then we and then we kind of pause there, and then we go to the barn. Yeah. And Jonas and Mercy are kind of sitting all snug up behind Black Philip and the other goat, the nanny goat. And Thomason looks at them and she's like, are you two witches? And they, I don't think they actually say yes they or no. No, they're just very enigmatic and they about say, that. And they're thing. like, are you? And she very quickly goes, no. 
Nope. <laughs> yeah. Not a fucking witch. Well, she. I think she asked, like, does he really speak to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, again, no answer, but yeah. Um, and then, I don't know if it's at this point, but basically, you know, they end up being asleep in the corner, and you kind of hear almost something flying over, landing on the roof. It hits the roof. Yeah, and then you hear this gross eating, suckling noise, mm-hmm. and you see very, very darkly. And Jonas and Mercy wake up. Yes. To this noise, and they see just the ass of a naked old woman. All the old lady again. Again. Yes. Creepy old lady from the beginning. Uh, many, many a times you see this old woman naked, so props to her. <laughs> but she And she's like sucking at the goat milk. Ooh, it was probably the bloody goat milk or probably. something. And so. then... Or, or eating the goat. We don't really know. No, huh? she was like at its udders. Yeah, yeah. But, and it then was she, a gross noise, yes. though. And then she turns to the kids and is like, cackle laughing. Oh, yeah. And then you, like, just hear, like, a... And, like... A choking noise. Yeah, because they're fucking... She's choking them out, and then... We can imply that the twins are being killed right now, basically. Lord Lucian. And then, boom, back to the house, and we see Catherine just hysterically happy that her kids are back, and she's breastfeeding her baby, but it's not her baby. It's a goddamn crow tugging on, I mean, tugging on her nipple. Well, just pecking, pecking a hole in her breast. And, like, you see later on, very shortly, this, the blood that... Through her nightshirt. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it really happens. So even the next morning as uh, William kind of crawls over her... Uh, you see the blood on her like, she, And really she has awareness of it. She's not going to tell William. It's her little secret, but she's she's got this like look in her eye, and then she's seeping blood out of this wound. So, and this was kind of a thought um, had originally. And, and, you know, this is kind of up to audience thought process. Now, did she sell her soul to see the children? I don't think so. I think that they tried to get her to by bringing her that book, but she was too far gone. Mentally, uh, mentally yes, too far gone. Now, kind of one of the like old thought processes is that like you hear about a witch's tit. Sometimes they would colder have than. yeah, colder than a witch's tit. Actually, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, supposedly witches in one you know thought process had a third nipple that they would nurse their familiars with. So was this raven a familiar that she was nursing? I don't think so. I think it was just fucking with her. But... Uh, yeah, I think it was just the fact that it she thought it was Samuel. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was it the was... witches messing with her. Yep. And it was actually a crow or a raven, whatever it was, just destroying her boob. Like. Yeah. I think, I think she was gone with grief. She yeah. was so far gone in that depression, in that loss of, of both of her favorite children that she was just overjoyed at any any crumb of their continued existence so even though maybe the witches were trying to entice her into signing whatever book they had brought her or showing it to her that she was just uh not an effective uh minion um i think of uh, dracula and uh his name now but the initial person 
that Dracula sort of entrances when he comes to England. Um, he's a crazy person, and he's, so he's feeding off him and, and making him more crazy, but he's using him without the intention of con- converting him into a vampire. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what's happening here. Like, sh- they're using her um, without the intention of, of changing her. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. Uh, kind of same with the little kids also. So the twins, um, were they really witches? Did they really sign the book? Or were they just being used and actually talking to Black Phillip, but being used in order to persuade Thomason, who has just took her womanhood years and is the perfect fit to become one of his witches? I mean, in a very gross analogy, a very ripe peach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yes. this prize, this... Uh, newly come into womanhood uh, person who's who's embodying the power of that that new new to womanhood thing it, you know a patriarchy please please by the way <laughs> you don't say <laughs> uh, Renfield by the way was the guy that thank you so much for that yes that's that's um, what I was referring yeah, to yes so Renfield was the one who he basically used. Um, but no, I think that at least the kids got a good song out of listening and getting used by Black Phillip. They got that <laughs> badass fucking tune. I mean, it would have topped the charts. It, it, would, have been, it would have been top of the Billboard 1630. Pretty kick-ass. Yeah. 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 Black Phillip, Black Phillip. Crown grows from his head. Right. Yeah, it's outstanding. Uh, I love it, and like, I thought it was fun. I was like, I should teach my son that song. I would. <laughs> He could sing around here. You know. I would put this on a stone tablet. Yeah. You can sing this in preschool, son. Mm-hmm. So then we get into uh, William, and he's walking outside to do what he does best. He's going to chop some wood. But. Or make flatbread. I don't know. Oh, no. I, I really don't think William really was the cook. I think, <laughs> I think that's the best she can cook is making flatbread. Because okay. she's okay. like, I don't have yeast. It's um, but so he goes outside and, and he <laughs> nice and he is going to chop wood because that's what he do. But then he sees the fucking barn is just destroyed and like the goats are all dead and Thomason's just kind of laying in the doorway. And then she's like waking up like oh what a peaceful slumber ah and there's like butchered nanny goats lying about the yard or and, then, and then he starts walking over and then. Boom! Fucking Philip just fucks him up. Impales him with his horn. Yes. And he literally just starts bleeding from the mouth. All this blood. You can see him just like hunched over, like holding this wound open. He's mad. He's real mad about this. He's not. As you would be. Yeah. Uh, And then so he is going to do something about it. And then he just kind of, I think, almost accepts his fate. And says, fuck it, I kind of deserve this. Well, no, he grabs the axe. Like, oh. he's gonna fuck that goat up. But that is his it. plan. He dropped it, though. Because he got fucking hit again. Well, he dropped it before he got hit. Yeah, though. he dropped Did it he? as yeah. a sign of resignation. I agree with John. I didn't see that part. No, I he totally was like, that. No, he was like, he, he I guess I'm gonna it. let this happen. Kind of like... Um, in Star Wars, when Obi Wan is like blowing his lightsaber, he, he's like, yeah, he closes that thing, like, it's gone, and he's like, "It's gonna it, happen, yeah. folks." Yeah, that's exactly what William did, but much less. Do you think he also turned into a Force ghost then? No, no, no that's no, a shame. No. Um, 
so, he would be like the I hate Sam Anakin Force Ghost. Like they, they superimposed him years later, and he's the Hayden Christensen ghost. He's like, oh, this is nice. There's no sand here. <laughs> this is nice. Oh, sand. I know you love sand, but it's dry and it's didn't, coarse. It gets it's everywhere. <laughs> and so Philip yeah. once again just throttles him into his wood pile, yes. and that teeters and fucking collapses on top of him. And what a bittersweet ending for William, though. Like irony. The, yes, the entire movie, greatest wood chopper of New England, and then what kills him? His fucking His giant pile of wood, because he's like, I'll just keep chopping wood, I'm great at this, and he kept piling it, and kept piling it, and kept piling it, and that's what killed him. Yep. Well, technically wasn't Philip, Philip just kind of was yeah. the catalyst to the wood destroying him. Yeah. So fucking ironic. How useful is it to have wood piled up to the ceiling? Because if Catherine had needed wood, she would have had to her mother she's she she remembers back in england when they had this dog the good time she remembers all of this Mm -hmm. she remembers her mother when it was probably just her and caleb before these horrible twins and before samuel and before any of this puritanical lifestyle in the new world before being ejected out of this um plantation that they were they were sent from she remembers her mother and she loves her i love you and her mother is steady choking her and like blaming her for all the wickedness and all the evil that has come to this family even at one point blames her for basically being a slut and pulling the eye of her father and caleb like basically did you not think i saw your slutty looks towards them yeah almost an envious envious fucking mother of her daughter's young age her looks and literally i think that was like the final thing like she that is what just pushed her over the edge and she attacked her poor thomason at this point in time anya uh anya Taylor taylor joy knocked the ball out of park with this one her acting was fantastic you could see the, like the pain in her eyes, like she was like, "No, no, please, mother!" Like, like Annie said, "I love you, I love you." No, 
And then she grabbed that fucking tool. She grabbed the cleaver. Like slashed her eye down her face. And then like the mother mother got enraged and like just continued doing it. And Thomason had no choice. Thomason had paused at that point. Yes. Like waiting to see what was gonna happen if her mother would stop Mm -hmm. and come to her senses. But that did not happen. She stabbed the shit out of her mother then. You could see the pain in oh, Thomas's sure. face. She didn't want to do it. No. She really did not want to do it. She had to. It was a fight or flight type thing. No, I totally agree with the fight or flight. Like her mother was just coming at her, coming mm-hmm. at her, would not stop. Classic horror movie. Oh trope, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. It was her or it was me. That's what it is. That's that's what it came down to. And unfortunately, Thompson didn't want to, but she had to. It was no yeah. other choice. So, so she, her mother's dead. Well, and and kind of to end that, literally after her mother collapses on top of her, covered in blood, she embraces her. Yeah. She hugs her, like, just upset at what she had to do. Uh, yeah, and that just kind of, you know, also adds to that. Um, it's a very painful, very, very poignant moment in this whole movie because you see that, that up to this point, up to this point in the movie, uh, Thomason... I don't know. She's basically a family person. This is the only life she's ever known. She's exhausted at this point. So, so um, after she shrugs off her mother's corpse, uh, walks into the house and just lays her head down, she's mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted and she just kind of falls asleep and you fade to uh, twilight. She's in shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I'd kind of like to mention here is so kind of a parallel. She basically bathed in her mother's blood so kind of the thought process if you bathe in blood uh, like a sacrificial blood kind of like the baby blood on the witch in the beginning that might give you power in the fight so you know kind of the end of this movie going to that later i don't know i feel it's kind of a parallel that she bathed in her mother's blood because her mother was dripping all this blood down on her while she was choking her and then at the end of the movie she's fucking flying basically so um just a thought. I don't know how much to read into it, but it seemed like kind of a parallel. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And and um, also, what, Lady Bathory? Her... Oh, yeah, Countess Bathory. That she, but that was also a youth thing, too. That was mm-hmm. a youth thing. But I think, yeah, I think life is in blood. The power is in the blood. But anyway, I'm not to jump too far. So, ahead. yeah, she, she yeah. goes into the house, and she kind of takes off her corset and all of that. And then she just collapses and then wakes up and trudges out to the barn again. Returns to Black Phillip and pretty much demands to speak to him. Says, hey, speak to me. Uh, you know, do you understand my tongue? Um, you know, basically trying to force him to speak to her to try to figure out what the hell went on. She's, she's out of options at this point. She can't by herself make it, I don't think, back to civilization, wherever that might be. Um, and <laughs> if anyone showed up, there'd be a lot of questions about what just occurred here on, on the farm. So, oh, yeah. So she is going to the only person, only entity that she is aware of that's left. You know, the tw- she recognizes that the twins saw Black Philip as, as this powerful creature, so she's beseeching him. And she, no answer, no answer, and then she almost gives up. She, oh, yeah, she is like literally like about to stand up and go. 
and then he says, you know, what do you want? What else do thou want? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. And, you know... What can you, what do you have yeah, to offer? Yeah, what can you offer me? And he had been... And I get it, but this is the part that I giggled at, because he's like, dost thou want the t- desire the taste of butter or a pretty dress? <laughs> and then I'm like, fucking what? But then Annie explained, like, it's a luxury that she doesn't have. That's mm-hmm. something that she probably loved back in England, you know, had the butter, loved that. It was that extra flavor, had the dresses, and then he asked her, you know, wouldst thou like to live deliciously? And then he says, you know, wouldst thou want to see the world? And then... She says yes. She says yes. And he, like, the book is in front of her. And then he, but I, this was the coolest thing, oh. the transformation. <laughs> Your favorite scene. Yeah, no. where you, you see the goat hoof, and then the, in that same scene, the transition to a boot. Yeah. And I was like, son of a bitch. And that's when you realize the entire time, now it's actually coming to truth that... Black Philip is indeed the devil. And she says, I can't sign my name because she didn't know how to write. And he says, I can help you. I will guide thy hand. And signs it. And the next thing you see is she's naked walking into the woods and there is a goat following behind her. And then we get into the woods and we find another, just like at the start of the movie, we find another righteous bonfire in the woods. This time, surrounded by a bunch naked of ladies. Naked ladies of all different ages, though. Like, yeah. some are, like, the very older ones, some aren't. Um, and she's standing there, not in the circle with them. And Black Philip is kind of standing closer to the fire. And then they all start floating. They're chanting, and they all start floating. And then she starts floating. And then they show her floating up by the trees. And she's got this smile on her face, like this giggle, like this ecstasy, like the greatest feeling in the world right now. Like this look of of joy, of contentment, of, of empowerment, like yeah. full on empowerment, like. And this that was one that was really cool. Like she went from being a subservient girl, girl yeah. still, to now an empowered woman. And she's like, now she's floating, and it's like, now the world is hers. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool, and then movie ends. Yeah. I kind of almost see it as a um, a freedom from religious persecution. So she's literally mm-hmm. now free of this religion that was oppressing her, and now she's going on to something new, and that excitement over, I'm free now. The expectations of society have been dropped. It's like, being on the other side of the fence. I love that this entire movie, it's kind of like it was totally void of God. Mm-hmm. It like and it, it, like the you know the entire time like it tried to show how like religious like William was and the family was and all this shit happened, this negative shit. So you are instantly seeing that there is evil in this world. Bad stuff happens, and then by the end of the and, you know, and but nothing good is happening to his family. It just gets continuously worse, and then by the end, you know for certain that there is most definitely a devil. But 
she's in the very beginning of the movie she's praying she's praying yep. to god nothing good comes out of that nothing, nothing happens it's he, like he never helps her he's, but he's gone yeah he cares nothing but then it shows that on the other hand the devil is here he is 100 percent real and he kind of does give a shit yeah like he really does he does actually he's like what the fuck do you want sign this book what do you want you want some butter <laughs> you want a dress? Ooh, Do you dress? want to live deliciously? Ooh. Let's go see the world. Get those dresses and that butter. He kind of gave her a promise, and it's kind of uh, multiple things. Like, is she maybe possibly actually going to see the world? There's a chance. Like, maybe she's now free to go. She might be able to go back to England and get her butter and dresses. But then again, it's now she's seeing the world from not. Jesus blinders on. Opening her eyes to a different perspective. Yes. She's seeing the world in a different light. Not necessarily actually exploring, going to different countries, whatnot. But seeing the world in a different light with an open perspective. So. Absolutely. So you can take it one way or the other. It's like the quote in the opening. Hell is empty and all the demons are here. God is in heaven and he is distant. He is removed. You're crying out to him throughout the movie from the beginning. She was the really the only person to kind of beg for forgiveness in sort of a bartering kind of way. Um, but I think Black Phillip or, or the embodiment of the devil sort of saw the opening in this movie yeah. and was like, yeah. She's like, she's down the barter. <laughs> I'm the bartering type. But I like to barter. Give me your soul, I'll give you butter and dresses. My father won't listen to you, but I will. Basically, yeah. And it was, but I loved it, though. Like, what a great movie. Like, take it as you will. Take it as a simple movie with witches in it. Take it as a religious thing. However you need to take it. If you haven't watched it... Take it as a female empowerment yes. thing? Commentary on the patriarchy? <laughs> if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Hopefully you've watched it if you've gotten this far into listening. Um, but outstanding movie. I have watched it many a times. For Black Phillip alone, I will watch it many a times more. So I... I think that sums it up for this first episode, though. Yeah, I, uh, you know, two plus hours in, but I Shit. think we did a pretty solid job of, you know, talking over everything in depth. If there's anything that you guys, you know, think about what we've said, have any commentary, whatnot, please feel free to message us, uh, you know, comment on the page or whatnot. Uh, and we'd be interested to hear your take for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always about learning the different perspectives and whatnot, so it's it's always interesting. Yeah, maybe any of you saw something we missed, or can add more to what we have said. Uh, and I'm always excited to hear, you know, everyone's view on the movies. I, yeah. I think it's so cool yeah. that no movie is taken as one single view yeah. no, it's never just about what the director or the the producer mm -hmm. or the you know the person who wrote the screenplay thought about it it's it's the interpretation of all us viewers and i think that's what really adds to the richness of of the experience yeah um what are we watching the next time john oh this is this excites me so our next uh, movie that we are going to be watching and then our next episode we will be talking about is one of my favorite slasher movies 
American Psycho. I have been wanting to watch this again. I needed a reason to watch this again. I really didn't need a reason to watch this again, but this now gives me a reason uh, to watch American Psycho. So... Not necessarily your classic uh, slasher film, but nonetheless a great uh, flick and definitely worthy of uh, reviewing. Absolutely. So if you haven't watched American Psycho, get out there, rent it, buy it, and just watch it and let us know your thoughts after we record our next episode on American Psycho. Uh, once again, we really do appreciate for everybody who has listened in, please like, share, follow, tell all of your friends about this. What a great time that, I mean, I had personally, like this was fun. Oh, this was a blast. This was outstanding. And I'm so looking forward to doing many, 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 many more episodes. Um, our own personal enjoyment. I mean, I personally got a little tipsy. I think Jen did too. I don't know about Jen. Possibly a little bit. You may have heard that a little bit throughout the recording. When we got a little more vociferous. <laughs> That's how you know that Annie is tipsy because she's using the big word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, like, subscribe. Please join us uh, next week or next episode. Uh, and we hope to hear from you in the future. So. We know we uh, will be excited to record more. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay spooky. Bye.